0: Hello friend, my name is Brandon Boats and you're listening to the Theater of Public Policy podcast. This episode comes from a live show we did on April 30th, 2019. We talked about the sunset of the Minnesota Provider Tax. The tax is a 2% assessment on licensed healthcare professionals that funds Minnesota Care and other healthcare programs for low-income residents. We had two guests on the show to talk about it. Mark Haviman is the Executive Director of the Minnesota Center for Fiscal Excellence and Jim Showalter, who just stepped down as President and CEO of the Minnesota Council of Health Plans, and is now the Senior Vice President of Provider Partnerships with Health Partners. Our media sponsor for this season was MinPost, which provides reader-supported news and analysis. You can find out more information at minpost.com.
1: So this is very. So we're gonna talk about uh, the the provider te- the Minnesota provider tax, which some people have said, "Oh, well, how are you gonna start? You're gonna start really basic. Just ask like, what is the provider tax?" And I'm gonna start even more basic than that. What's a provider? <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's a doctor or a nurse, uh, somebody who helps you when you're sick.
1: That's it. That, is that, that and that's so. And their institutions. And their institutions. Well, that seems to broaden it out already. Um, so th- this is a tax yeah. that was created um, uh, 30 years ago, approximately. Uh, and can we just sort of, like, go back to the beginning? Like, w- how did this come about? What, where did the... Yes, thank you. Thank you. Uh, where? Uh,
3: yeah,
1: how did the... You were there, right? Pretty, uh, not, at, <laughs> not at the very
2: beginning, but close. Um, so it was a deal where people wanted to make healthcare better and find ways to do things better and so everyone gave a little bit and found this deal. Uh, It was funded by the provider tax, a 2% provider tax, a 1% HMO tax, it started a new program, it started uh, new research, it started limits on how much could be spent, it had all kinds of things
1: in it, it was this big deal. And it was around 1993. It seems like it would be uh, today. It's hard to imagine uh, going out and saying, "Oh, we're going to tax." Like if they, I, and some people do call it like a doctor tax or whatnot. Like if they oh. came out now and we were to say, "Oh, we're going to do a, a tax on on doctors," that that would be very, very controversial or whatnot. And I was it very controversial when we we started it. I,
3: Long before my time. Go ahead.
2: <laughs> okay, I'll go back in time. Uh, so, yeah, it was controversial, uh, but it also had bipartisan support. And that's how, what got it done. Republican governor, Democratic legislators, Republican legislators got it done, even though not everyone in the healthcare community liked it. Uh, there were and and doctors usually were the probably the, the arch uh, concern the MMA they're a representative right. to, so the answer.
1: Minnesota Medical Association yeah. was very much against it right yeah, yeah. Um, don't uh, well wait, please save your hisses for the end of the show um, just save up your hisses uh, for the for the end of the show so uh, okay so uh, we did this. Uh, uh, tax. And the idea was, what was it? uh, You said it did a batch of things, but sort of the main thing that it was intended to do was, I think that in the notes I put together, try and create some coverage for folks who made too much to get uh, Medicaid uh, and didn't maybe make enough to actually get their own health care. Is that a fair sort of assessment of where it was supposed to be at the beginning?
3: Yeah. many. Minnesota's Medicaid program, medical assistance, covers the, the poor. And then typically, you know, you have through your employer or wherever you have higher-income people who can who get health care coverage through their employer, you've got this gap right in between there. And that's what Minnesota Care was intended to do, is to sort of fill that health care gap in the, among all the demographics in the state.
1: Oh, yeah, but
2: I, but I, I would add that the name and the it, 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 all that money got put in this place called the Healthcare Access Fund, and basically it was like not to just sort of tax and redistribute. It was to tax and do all kinds of stuff so that people could afford healthcare and and not have the costs go up because there's no tax that would ever be able to be big enough to fund the rise in healthcare costs in those days. Or today.
1: So get, what's an example of something else that, other than just directly subsidizing health care for someone? What was something else it was doing?
2: There were spending limits. There was uh, information systems to try and understand where uh, the money was going so we'd spend money smarter. Uh, there is uh, medical education and research uh, that comes out of that fund as well.
1: Okay, so that that's all happens in, in 1993. And as you noted, it was very bipartisan. It was signed by a Republican governor, right? Yeah, Arnie Carlson. Carlson. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Uh, we, we do this tax. I, w- did people feel like it was working?
2: Uh. <laughs> 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 I, I did. Tax. I, tax I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it collected. It, 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 one of the things that it did was it grew as fast as healthcare costs. You know, very few taxes did grow that fast, and so we spend more out of our general fund for healthcare than we did way back then. But the provider tax, that two percent tax, kept on growing so that it could keep on doing stuff for healthcare.
3: As a matter of fact, it grew almost too well because over the course of several years in the 2000s, revenues that were being collected from the tax outpaced what was being spent on Minnesota care and these other programs.
1: Why would that be? What, how, is, yeah?
3: Well, it was just a function of how the, the mathematics worked based on what was, what was being required. Break that for down for me. Uh, <laughs> It, it, it's the gazinta. Uh,
2: no, it, the, the, the thing was that the healthcare care uh, fund started getting help from the federal government. Okay. So in, back in the 90s, the federal government, as Mark said, only paid for a certain program, a uh, few people tightly defined. And over time, they realized what Minnesota was doing made sense that there were a lot of people who needed coverage, needed help, they couldn't afford it by themselves, and so the federal government started picking up some of that cost, and so we had more money left over because we started getting federal funds.
3: And that started to create controversy, because when those balances started to accrue in the health care access fund, what happens under times of tight budget stress? Hey, there's some money over there. We can use that to support the general fund. So a lot of times, money was being, especially during recessions or something like that, money would be transferred from the health care access fund to prop up the general fund, which caused people to scratch their chins and say, hey, wait a minute here. And so over the course of time, a number of adjustments were made. Uh, you know, we lowered the tax to like 1.5%. Uh, for a couple of years then it, then it bounced back And then we lowered it again One and a half percent So it was sort of fluid In terms of how much money We were collecting And of course over time As people saw these balances accrue uh, They became easy money To sort of uh, take In times of, of uh, budgetary stress
1: So uh, this is another piece About this tax That was uh, I didn't know before this is you know, We think about Or I maybe thought about it Before starting doing research For this show That oh there's a tax. It, that money gets put in this pot that is then, like, supposed to just go to subsidizing health care or whatnot, or maybe into information programs or whatnot. No. But the legislature has a lot of agency or control over how they want or could spend this money. Is that right? Like, they could spend it on almost anything. Is, 100%. Yeah. So they could be like, actually, this is a provider tax that is going to fund our Zeppelin program or whatever it is. Yeah,
2: (laughs) yeah. but uh, so you didn't mention in the intro, I actually worked in the budget office for, like, those 20 years. And so I was part of that decision-making process. And it's true that, like, you know, if uh, one pocket has a whole bunch of money and the other pocket has no money, but both pockets have – you want to use money out of both pockets, well, you could just move – you could either pay more of it out of one pocket. There's all kinds of easy ways to pay for that Zeppelin without breaking the rules. Right. You, can, you can pay it different ways. You can transfer money. And that's exactly what happened, oftentimes for good reasons, so that people didn't get hurt. But it wasn't consistent with what people expected in
1: 1993. So it seems to me, Center for, for Fiscal Excellence, like tax policy, that you would uh, – that there would be an argument to be made, like this was set up in a very clear way, that that's good. Like if you're going to set up a tax, you want it to be, you we know we're taxing these folks and it's doing this. And that then maybe the problem is when it gets like messy or like, we're like, oh, actually, we're going to use part of it for this and we're going to like redistribute parts of it over here or whatnot. Is that where it starts to get like
3: convoluted or messy? A- absolutely. And what happened over the course of uh, recent years is that uh, the federal government started to take more and more and now basically pays for what, 95% of Minnesota care? So the whole sort of purpose, one of the primary purposes for establishing the tax in the first place, has completely been disconnected from the collection of the tax. Minnesota care runs basically through the federal government, but we're still collecting this money. So now it's even under more scrutiny as a result of that.
1: So, the, I mean, I'm sure that there's somebody in the audience who's thinking, oh, well, if the federal government is paying for Minnesota care, then maybe we don't need the maybe they're right. We don't need the tax then because it's like that part's all taken care of. So, uh we're talking about this because it's pro- there's a provision that this tax would go away. Uh so why why would that be bad? We all got a free beer tonight, the tax goes away and then yeah.
2: Yeah, the free beer thing probably was a bad precedent for this conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, he, he, the, the problem is uh, that over the years, uh, we had more and more bills to pay out of that general fund, out of the income taxes, sales taxes, that kind of stuff. And so as those bills went up and you had a whole bunch of money sitting like a half billion, a billion dollars sitting over in the health care access fund, we said, hey, or a legislator said, hey, let's use some of that money and pay our Medicaid bills and and keep those programs going help Keep on helping people, and that's continued to happen. So that almost like five hundred million dollars a year, something mm-hmm. like that, is used out of the Health Care Access Fund each year. That doesn't work if there's no
1: money going into it. So a big chunk of this money maybe isn't going to Minnesota Care now, but it is going into Medicaid, Medicaid. now.
3: Absolutely right.
1: And so just again, Medicaid, as we said at the beginning, that's was originally supposed to be the uh, for folks who are uh, in poverty, who are in poor, the correct? lowest yeah, sort yeah, the of the lowest, lowest. Yeah. income households. And so. Well, I, so if it, this goes away, does that just like we, we're just like five hundred billion million million short? Like, well,
3: that, that's the issue. The, if, if, we, if, it, if the tax goes away as it's supposed to do at the beginning of the year, I think in a year and a half, that health care access fund will largely be depleted. Because
1: it. It's a, it is literally like a bank account right, right. now. That and we so now
3: account. then we have the question of, well, you have, if, if we're paying for about $500 million worth of Minnesota's Medicaid program through it, what are we going to do? Are we going to try to raise some other taxes? Are we going to cut the Medicaid programs? Uh, those are the types of choices that are sort of looming in the very not-too-distant future if we decide to cut this.
1: Uh, <clears throat> how So how did we get to a place? Because this wasn't originally supposed to sunset, was it? Uh, it was No. It, 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 this was something that was the sunset provision was put in. In what, 2011?
2: Yeah, it was a... And you were it, there. I was there. <laughs> I was there. Yeah, bring it on. <laughs> uh, I don't know if anybody remembers that little shutdown uh, exercise we ran of that year. Uh, a lot of really hard negotiating was going on, and... Uh, uh, the decision was to accept that in order to get a human services bill.
1: This was Governor Dayton at that time. Yep. What negotiating with a, a Republican-controlled legislature? Yep. Um, About two a.m., so everyone was a little tired, but uh, still bad. Uh, sleepy Governor Dayton did this. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you and at that time you said, okay we're going to make this sunset in 2019. Who knows if we'll even be alive in 2019. Exactly, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll be a spring break capital by then, and it'll be <laughs> <a capital. laughs> um, Well, this is interesting because, and again, I, to do a little bit of rewind, I just happened to run into somebody uh, who is a doctor and who is on part of the original sort of like task force or worked on trying to help create this thing in the beginning, he said to me, he's like, oh, it's interesting you're doing a show on this. When we first came up with this, we never thought it would be around this long. We thought that this was, like, a short-term thing until Minnesota got, like, universal health care. Yeah. That this was just sort of a bridge until we had sort of Minnesota care for all. Uh, And he's like, that didn't happen. Uh, So... (laughs) And then he was just sort of resigned, like, I guess we should probably just renew it then because it doesn't seem like we're going to get to that anytime soon. Is that true? Is that accurate? I haven't heard
2: that, but it certainly was in those days everyone was trying to get to how to cover everyone. You know, it was access. It was controlling costs. And if you do both of those things and have <laughs> high-quality health care, you should be able to figure out how everyone gets some help. And that was the formula that if we all did just a little bit, yeah, we could figure it out as a community. Um, it was a good step. And uh, the question is, yeah, whether we at least hold on to that step. Yeah.
1: Okay, so let's just talk about, and I should say, in the second half of the show, we open up for you all to ask questions uh, of our guests, but let's talk about where are we right now? We're in the middle, or actually probably like the seventh inning of the Minnesota legislative session. Um, and they are debating this because, as we noted, set to sunset at the at the end of the year, Uh, By the way, can we just talk... I'm going to segue myself for a second. Why is it a sunset? Uh, uh, Why is it called a sunset and not like a a guillotine? Or like just... You know, like taking old yeller out back. Uh,
3: (laughs) That is far more accurate and descriptive. (laughs) We'll see if we can put that in statute next time with a little word change
1: all right good uh that'd be a very different costume uh for people to wear all right so all right so uh so they're debating right now yeah. one uh Governor walls I believe and uh the Minnesota House largely has said we just want to like keep this the way that it is yeah. we want to keep it going right yeah. is that fair uh there is uh there are alternative proposals out there which we talked about downstairs a little bit are there's infinite potential uh, alternatives i uh, one of the ones that like gets the most sort of discussion about is what what do they talking? what do they call it the uh help me out with this the claims
3: claims, claims thank
1: you claims adjustment how could i forget that um <laughs> Uh,
3: claims adjust. So, how would that work, and is it different, better, worse, anything? Economically, it's really no different. It's a two percent. It's just it's administratively different in terms of who you 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 have the insurance companies pay for it rather than the providers. The the advantages of it is that it improves the administration of this tax tremendously because you're not dealing with, I think, last time I looked. 800 and 830 unique providers or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, that there's a sense. lot of people out there that are subject to this tax. And and they all act as revenue collections for the state of Minnesota. So,
1: so the so, tax is actually being applied, like each individual doctor, yeah, uh, if, uh, healthcare... A, a,
3: yeah. a podiatrist that happens to have a... Are there street street level podiatrists? podiatrists? I don't know. Sure. If they exist... There's one in the back. Uh, yeah. yeah. He would, but, so
1: he, he, like in that case, like the individual, and, right. and this way, how would this be different?
3: Well, this this moves it up the chain to the insurance companies themselves. So they would pay the 2% as part of the claims that they process. Uh, so it it, it, it it consolidates the number of people that have to deal with this thing significantly, which is a good thing. And and, and chances are the, the, the people who run the claim, the insurance companies, are... Oftentimes, in a better position to have the staff and the resources and all that stuff to handle this crap, because because it is it is the administrative burdens are an unappreciated issue in tax policy. I, I they're probably very appreciated uh, by, by those who yeah, have to work yeah, no. it. But it, it is it is it is a big deal. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, I suspect that a lot of the objection to the tax itself is driven as much by administrative issues pertaining to these. Uh, smaller providers than the actual tax themselves.
1: So, uh, so is that? So you used to be Minnesota Council of Health Plans. So, mm-hmm. should, would, would your former like colleagues there that they'd be great at just doing this? Is that sort of the way to go? Well, or? N- no question, i would be great at doing it. But I think what we didn't
2: talk about is all of the other things around it. Right. So, I mean, in in order to get that administrative simplicity, you take on a couple of really big deals. One is that the tax is no longer as uh, broad. By broad, I mean like everyone pays. If you go get health care services, you're going to pay that 2%. It's, it's, it's built into your bills. It, it, the insurers will pay the doctor. It, it all goes pretty seamlessly. Under this alternative plan, if you pay for cash, you pay it with cash, you don't pay the tax. So now you've got this kind of incentive that will have more people trying to pay for services. Hey, for your tax.
1: podiatrist, like under the e- exactly, table. Exactly,
2: under the table podiatry. Right. Yeah. And that kind, those kind of <laughs> payments um, will be encouraged. And so like, you start to have these kind of wacky kind of incentives, along with two uh, legal challenges. Uh, one of the really important things way back in the 90s was that this tax passed court tests for insurance law and, and, and being equitable, and everyone paid it. And if we have a new tax, it's going to be back in court again. And who knows how much the state's going to make in revenues and how many new uh, debates are going to be around how much is being collected or going to be collected next year or the year after that. And,
3: and this has been tried by the state of Michigan, and they had it for about a two years, and yeah. then, they, then they got rid of it, because partly for the politi- political reasons, but partially because it wasn't collecting the revenue they thought it was going to collect. Yeah.
1: Can I just ask like a a dumb maybe question for uh, aren't we paying it ultimately somehow like if i like one way or another if i like use healthcare I, i'm paying this tax somehow yeah,
2: yeah the name is super misleading uh, you know it isn't a pro, it's collected at the provider level but it's an everybody tax it's a healthcare tax it's it, everyone is in on it one way or another it's not uh Coming from any industry group, it's coming from everyone's healthcare costs.
1: So, I, you two are both very deep in this. You, you run like a, a whole organization of people who are just a, a obsessed with tax policy. So, I assume the dinner parties you go to, people are talking about this. My, my
3: president is right there. By yeah. the way, he's right
1: there. Uh, I'm so glad he's here. Uh, so. Um, <laughs> But I'm just curious, like, if this is, like, permeating out sort of be – like, are, is this a thing that you imagine – and I'm asking you to maybe put on a little bit of, like, a political pundit hat, like, that people are, like, looking at, like, oh, I'm voting for this person because of their stance on, like, the provider tax or, like, that is, like, a calculus for me at some point. Uh, because it seems like that – if we're asking these politicians to make this decision, yeah. like, I mean
3: I, – I, I think that's – partly going to be a function of how each side is marketing their positions. Yeah. Uh, the Republicans have been calling this a sick tax. And, you know, language has impact. And so to the extent people hear that and maybe not process the complexities of this, as you're the audience is, is attempting to do today, you know, they say, well, I don't want a sick tax and, you know, and act accordingly.
1: I want to tax sickness. Right. Uh, yeah.
3: Yeah. 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 And versus, you know, <laughs> and, and the DFL, the, Demo- the Democrats well, are the obviously yeah. making a very big push in the idea of its, if, if it's historical intent and purpose that we are, this thing is, provides important health care services to all Minnesotans. Um, and we should keep that. Yeah,
2: it fits into a really easy narrative of both parties. Know, the tax and its uses either fuel runaway health care costs and people getting all kinds of services off of everyone's taxes or it's some kind of uh, overtaxation and you know everyone is uh, getting services and not paying for them and it's like everyone's spending and taxation narrative fits really neatly into the money of the, of the provider tax
1: I'm going to do that. I- we started out talking about this did happen. Like, we were able to put this this uh, compromise package together once upon a time to do these things. Uh, and now it does seem like, it, and you two are at the legislature much more than I am, which is not at all. Uh, so you're watching, like, how this is... Is it surprising to you that we've gotten to... It doesn't seem like the, there's a lot of, like, coming together around this, does it? Or it seems like it's just become sort of like a... Absolutely not no, we absolutely have to do this. Or maybe that's the way it was in 1993 up until the point that you broke through. Kind of, I mean, it, it's been this way
2: for a long time. The, <laughs> the people who didn't like the tax and never really have liked the tax, the people who supported the tax have pretty much always supported the tax. And it's just a few groups in between. At the end of the de- day though, we're always talking about the tax and it's really just about money. It's a big budget fight because it's a lot of money and it's for uh, where do you want that money to go? And ultimately, by sunsetting the tax, it it made that fight more real, Um, that it's not about a couple of dollars one way or another, it's about all of the dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars.
1: So I would never suggest uh, that our beloved legislature wouldn't finish something they started. But if if somehow there's just like a sleeping sickness uh, that uh, comes across the legislature and they don't get around to this one, uh, what... What does I mean, what happens?
3: Well, the fund, the health care access fund, basically goes away in about two years. Um, then we have to figure out what we're going to do to pay for the things that used to be paid through with the health care access fund money and the provider tax money. And primarily that is right now Medicaid. So we can either look for some alternative revenue sources, look to strategically cut in a... Hopefully, appropriate way, uh, you know the, the the types and levels or access to Medicaid services without unduly damaging the health care of Minnesotans, or uh, we again find some find some other money to sort of backfill it.
1: I mean, uh, the folks who are arguing this tax should be sunset; it should go away. Have they gone that far? Have they started to say it should go away, and then here are the places we should start cutting, like, or, or we should do something else to make this work.
3: No, this is all, I mean, you check me, Jim, but I, this has all been very theoretical right now in terms of, the, it's, it's in the realm of politics right now. Yeah. And nobody has really, in my opinion, embraced the full implications of having this go away. Especially, I and mean, the, the other curveball, too, is that the, the federal government right now, which has been a partner, as Jim has said, for a very long time, I mean, look at the situation we face with the federal government right now. It's incredible. It's in, Incredibly unpredictable, I would argue, in terms of what <laughs>
1: uh, yeah.
3: what kind of state-federal <laughs> finance relationship yeah. is going is to – how that's going to materialize in the future. And there's, all, there's, there's been pushes to reduce state support for Medicaid programs in various ways, and that risk is always there. So I think a lot of people who are, who are supporters of the provider tax see it as much as an insurance policy against the mischief of the federal government – as much as continuing to provide the, uh, the money for, for the programs that we, we spend with. Yeah. So
1: uh, last question I'll just ask, and again, we'll open it up for you all to ask questions in the second half of the show, but like, so uh, this is where we are, and this is, uh, do you have some sense of like where this is going or uh, uh, what, or if people are paying attention, what they should be watching or, or trying to see happen? I
2: don't don't know where it's going to go. But I I do think one positive thing to pull out of it is that both sides are at least, or not both sides, but more people are saying there has to be some revenue. So at least there's some conversation that, yeah, we like where we're at. We're going to try to support those programs. And then it gets to be about a tax fight. And that's probably simpler than trying to take on all of the questions, all of the reform ideas, all at the same time when everyone's up at 2 a.m.
1: Well, on that note, let's see if our improv cast can take on all of the questions through <laughs> Entirely Untripped to Theater. But first, can we do a big round of applause for our two amazing guests, Jim Showalter and Mark Aitman? Take our seats in the audience. So, uh, if you have a question, uh, raise your hand, and I will come towards you in a non threatening manner uh, with the microphone. And I will also give you a sticker. If there was no other reason to ask a question, so I saw this hand, and then I will come back over there. I promise. All right. So, hello. Here's Hi. a sticker. I love that you have a dog print on your. That's great. Okay. It's what, a cat but, print, but I am, just, uh, kidding. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <It's, laughs> <that's a serious> <laughs> <mystery>.
3: <laughs> so I'd like to know how the ACA fits into all of this mm. because it was supposed mm. to actually increase Medicaid coverage for states, and I believe Minnesota took that, right? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah. Sure. Uh, I'll take a first swing at it. No, uh, Portable Air Care Act, uh, yeah, absolutely, uh, help more people get coverage through the Medicaid program, uh, medical assistance in Minnesota. Uh, the funny thing is though, when the Medicaid program is expanded, that's paid out of the general fund. The whole conversation is about the provider tax, which is in a different fund. Yeah. So it happens that more people get coverage that way, so the bills go get bigger in the, that one fund, the general fund, and they get smaller in the other one, you have more money, and you have then more mischief and conversation about where that money should go. So the trade-offs that we were talking about, money going back and forth, is
1: because they're trying to line up the money with where it could be spent for people. Have they ever just tried like, putting all of the money into like a big like, Scrooge McDuck vault, uh, and then we all go swimming in it once a year... And that there's also a podiatrist outside. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no.
3: I don't, I, I don't think it's well, happened. I, once upon a time, and this is back in the 40s or 50s, <laughs> Minnesota had an actual budget crisis because too much of its money was dedicated to these specific pots. Oh, and, and And citizens, I mean, legislators were hamstrung with being able to allocate money based on need and priority. And so that... That was a big issue once upon a time ago. And then these things sort of ebb and flow over time. But, but uh, the general fund is still, obviously, where the game is played. There's a very uh, catchy
2: phrase in the budget world, lumpers and splitters. either lump it all together or you split it apart, and it depends on where your control is.
1: Okay, fun. Yeah, really. All right. We're not marketers. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, so, if you could take us in the way back machine again for a moment and pre-provider tax back to the days of maybe general assistance, medical care, something that Minnesota has had where a lot of states didn't have, what it was like for
3: a lot of the folks that are paying the provider tax now. So, the folks that you know didn't have a resource to for some of the uncompensated care, that type of thing. What was it like for those folks? Well,
2: that's a good question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, back in the 90s, uh, there were descriptions of uh, runaway health care costs, too many people who are uninsured, uh, uneven access to care, uh, things that have all been solved uh, since. <laughs> uh, it, 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 it was very similar uh, to the kinds of things we're debating now.
1: It's part of this question, because I feel like I, I had somebody ask me this before we did this show about, like, well, if this goes away, um, people are, you know doctors, nurses, whatnot, are still going to provide this care, it's just potentially there'll be a lot less money to actually you know, compensate them in some ways, right, like for lower-income people. So there'll be more potentially low-income uh, people who go in, and get care and just have no way to, to pay for it. Is that potentially one of the outcomes if we didn't do for this? For sure,
2: that's potentially one of the, the outcomes, absolutely. And the other goofy thing is that you know how much we pay for care differs a lot by who's paying the bill. And so maybe the state will now start to pay 30 cents on the dollar compared to a, a private insurance. You know, those things, um, the prices are really pretty far apart already and they could get even bigger.
1: Uh, I'm sorry, I know that there's a lot of hands, but I just have to ask one other thing, which is... Uh, you noted at the beginning that when this originally came around, the uh, Minnesota Medical Association are, uh, uh, was very much against it. Mm-hmm. Are they now? Yeah. That Yes, I'm yes. hearing. The audience is saying I, yes. I was going to give you a more
2: uh, politic answer, but yes. Uh, the, the, the claims tax is actually their idea. Yeah. So they're supporting that as an alternative to the provider tax. That said, uh, there's some doctors who support the provider tax, many who don't. The MMA as an association, not so keen with it.
1: Okay, I will say I moderated a panel before I knew a lot about this and there was somebody from the Minnesota Rural Hospital Association and they were asked this question and she basically said "Uh, we're not excited about it but we've kind of resigned ourselves to it Um, so I don't know if that is so who else has a question and or just wants a sticker and will come up with something to ask (laughs) in order to get a sticker ooh hooray oh what when I, it's inappropriate to call question answers handsome All right. so this is,
2: a, this is maybe a dumb question because I think I missed a sentence somewhere so maybe you'll just have to rewind
3: Medicaid is a federal program but can someone just say in more detail what the tax is currently paying for I, I think I understand some unpaid Medicaid portion um, but like what? explain that in a little bit more detail of what this tax currently pays for uh, right now, I believe about $500 million of state Medicaid spending comes from the provider tax, from the health, well, from the health care access fund, which includes, more, which includes more than just the provider tax. But it has transitioned from primarily being a uh, financial support for the Minnesota care program to the Medicaid program, state Medicaid program.
2: Beyond that, there are some smaller programs for community health, Uh, health prevention, uh, uh, medical education and research, administrative costs at DHS, all kinds of other things, Uh, but they're smaller dollar amounts. Minnesota Care, oh, and and most recently, thank you, how long ago? And uh, in the last two years, reinsurance uh, basically has been financed out of the Health Care Access Fund. Uh, and, and so that is a big draw. Thank you. Oh,
1: that's, wait, that's interesting. So, reinsurance, which I feel, does everybody have another three hours? No. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, so, re, beer. yeah, and more yeah. beer. More uh, beer. More. So, reinsurance, this was a, a financing or, and coverage plan in order to try and like stabilize health, the healthcare market in, in Minnesota. Yep. Um, uh, I had no idea. So, part of the money to pay for that. Came out of comes out of some of these dollars. That is right, and because that's interesting, because reinsurance is sort of like that's a that's a darling of Republicans at the legislature. Is that correct, largely? So and yet and so do they? They but they we're just not talking at this point about like how to do both of those things or not do one and not the other. Uh,
2: I think they're talking about them all. Uh, Whether it adds up is the question.
1: Okay. Fair enough. All right. Oh yay! Hello. Oh, question over
2: there.
1: I'll come okay. up there. Yeah. Oh, awesome. So I know some people think that it's unfair for them to have
2: to pay on their health care to fund the provider tax. I'm wondering if there are any other folks outside of the medical assistance community who benefit from the tax code when it comes
3: to their health insurance. Good <laughs> go for it. Good question. Uh, I'll, I'll go for it. That's a that's a really good question because there's there's a lot of a lot of tax issues intersect with health care, and one of the big ones is tax expenditures uh, in the state system that uh, provide you know, your contributions to a uh, health savings account, a pre-tax. Um, there's a whole host of those sorts of things, and what's interesting about those is that when you look at who benefits from those, it's it's they largely the benefits of those tax expenditures, which is basically spending, uh, accrues to the to the wealthier uh, demographics of the state. Uh, the same thing with employer-related, uh, we don't tax uh, employer contributions to health insurance, which is income, but we don't tax it. Uh, again, proportionally goes to higher income households. So there is a there is a sort of an equity issue here lurking behind the scenes as well with respect to how we think about health care in totality with the healthcare system. With with the tax system. Yeah, that guy. All right. Uh, I got applause. Yeah. Oh. You have a fan. By the way, can I just say can I just add one thing? Jim and I were talking as the, as the performers were oh. and we both agreed there are three weeks left in session. Oh. You guys need to get in front of the Health and Human Services yeah. Committee. You absolutely. You absolutely need to get in front okay. of Okay, hello. <laughs> There's a big space in the front
0: of the room. Hi, I have a question about who it benefits right. if the tax is levied on the provider versus the insurance company. Is it a difference to the consumer? Do we
1: care? Where the, the tax is levied? I'd say
3: no. No, not really. From a from a, just a simple economic standpoint, no. The, the tax is going to get passed through. The the one difference, I guess, would be if you use someone outside of a, a, a private provider. Uh, there is a there is a what the tax geeks call a horizontal equity issue. I got to drop one of those and just one, just one. But the basic idea is just treating equals equally, right? And so uh, if you do a claim system, then that basically exempts those who are, who are largely cash-based providers. Okay? But those who use are are part of the insurance system uh, do have those services taxed. Yeah,
2: yeah I think it, from a theoretical standpoint, it should be the same. The problem is everything else probably won't be equal. Some other things will change, and those things probably won't work quite as well.
1: Okay, I am willing to come back. Oh, yes, look at now people have questions. Like, we're on a roll here. All right, uh, people are warming up to tax policy. Here you go. <laughs> All
3: right. So um, the, you, you state that if people pay cash, they would avoid the uh, taxation on, uh, on
2: uh, insurance providers percentage of people would that affect, and what percentage of dollars would it affect? Would it be uh, disproportionately wealthy people, or would it be uh, disproportionately people who are, aren't are covered by insurance? Good question. Um, you know, It's not big dollars right now, uh, but it probably would be wealthier people who would find a way to uh, redo it. The other thing is that third-party administrators is another way of potentially uh, getting around it. You might get somebody to do your claims and be a self-insured business and get somebody outside of the state of Minnesota to do it. And, and that's kind of the question of what was happening in Michigan, why they didn't collect nearly as much money as they expected. Uh, we still, I don't still have a really good answer.
1: Okay. Uh, oh, yes, please.
0: So if I'm understanding correctly, the tax makes money when people use health care, more or less-ish. Well, what I'm wondering is if part of it is because of people being sick and needing to see a a doctor or provider, is there a way, too, to think about what other cost containment strategies there are for healthcare and how that fits into this bigger question?
1: Awesome question. (laughs) Awesome. Do you want a pop socket?
2: Yeah. That's a great idea. Here. I mean, that's what the whole idea was initially, was that it was not about just a tax and a subsidy program, but it was other reform ideas that would all come together so everyone would have better access to health care, better quality, and the costs wouldn't go up so much. And 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 we need those ideas. We need to get those back in the conversation. So it's not just a tax spend kind of push and pull, but that it's more a question of, well what are the other things we can do to help people understand where their money's going, why it costs so much you know why prescription drugs cost so much? Why where's your money going in the insurers? All of those things are like important questions, and people should know.
1: So uh, to to her, because there is a weird. I mean, on one hand, uh, we've done I think a good job. Hopefully, you two have done a very good job of talking about why uh, this tax is necessary, what its purposes were, and yet I can also imagine somebody saying, "Oh, it seems weird to like have a tax which." Uh, is sort of the incentive is don't use healthcare or like this tax applies to you in some ways, right? Um, uh, and so maybe part of that question or a, a building on that question is just sort of like is there some uh, something else that should be thought about or some other way to get at this where we're not doing that disincentive piece? Yeah, and that's where the sick tax label comes in. Yeah. Kind of funny because
2: when you pay your insurance every month, you're paying helping pay for that provider right. tax for everybody. So it's not just when you go to the doctor. It's part of you know, sort of built into everyone's financing of health care. And, and, and that's 96% of us have insurance of some sort. And so that's kind of the way it's built in, whether or not you're sick or
3: have an appendectomy this month or not. There's a there's a bigger picture here too that I think important to understand when talking about the provider tax. Our tax system doesn't grow as fast as the state economy. And that's not good, not bad. It's just, it's just the way it is. Um, the provider tax is the one tax that has more than kept pace. And that's particularly important because health care, as a percentage of our gross state product or our state economy, has grown dramatically. And so there's a big long-term implication for uh, the provider tax in the sense that it's, it's the tax that keeps the revenue system it adds a level of stability to our revenue system as a whole, and that's especially important because, compared to other business sectors, the healthcare industry is ha- carries less of a burden for a whole host of reasons. Uh, ho- hospitals are nonprofits, so they don- are not subject to property taxes or or business entity taxes. Uh, a whole host of health-related products are exempt from. The sales tax, prescription drugs, eyeglasses, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, you know, the two percent provider tax could easily be looked at as a super sweet deal uh, instead of having to pay six point eight seven seven five percent, which is our general sales tax. We only pay two percent on something that legitimately could be included and should be included in the general sales tax base. So it's a it's like a deep discount. So. Uh, as potential as these sick tax discussions get going around, there's, it's important to understand. I think the the bigger picture of this tax within the whole state tax system. The only
1: doc, do you, do you still want to know? You're the only doctor on our cast, and so oh. uh, so far. Uh, well, we were just wondering if you could uh, define what reinsurance actually is. All right, that's all the time we have for tonight. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, do you
0: want?
1: Go ahead, uh, please. I'm gonna just drink this beer. <laughs> reinsurance uh,
2: is a pretty simple idea. It it really, in Minnesota right now, is a program that's uh, been around for a couple of years, and it helps people who buy insurance on their own, and it makes sure that. Uh, the, the losses, uh, that there's kind of a, 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 a how much can be lost or gained, it has some limit. And so everyone's contributing to it, and it helps. Mm, I'm doing a terrible job. No uh, b- but basically it says they're going to take out some of the risk of, of, of offering insurance to everyone. And so people can get lower costs uh, to the insurance, and everyone saves about 15% on their premium. Uh, it is something that was in the Affordable Care Act, it's one of a couple of different ways that you can have financial tools to stabilize how insurance is offered, that everyone gets it no matter where you're at, and to make sure that really, really expensive people, no matter where they're located, the costs are borne really broadly, rather than have, you know, one loser, uh, one plan, your plan, uh, have to pay up the whole bill.
1: So, uh, last question I'll ask. So, uh, f- hopefully folks came in tonight and, they, and they, they learned something about this and they're like, oh, yeah, this does seem like something, period. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it, again, we noted the legislature is very much, this is at the legislature right now, and there is a time limit on this in the sense that, like, this does end, like, this uh, provide if nothing, if they don't do anything, text goes away Mm -hmm. and all the things we talked about happen. So, without necessarily saying like, oh, you need to advocate for this or this or do that or do this. If someone is talking to their legislator, A, like, is there a question they should ask them? Or is there something they should be trying to say, like, uh, trying to prod them into figuring out A, either how they're thinking about this or prodding them into getting them to think about it in a particular way that maybe they're not right now.
2: Uh, I guess I'd ask, how? What's your plan for helping everyone get coverage, helping get care, and does letting the sunset help
1: that cause? Do you have to? Do you ask it like that? Yeah, like, I did. <laughs> it? Does it? Doesn't what? It. Tell me. Yeah. What's the deal well, with not maturing people?
3: Maybe without the voice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, few years ago, there was, a, there was a study called the Budget Trend Study Commission, and, and frankly... Oh, we're,
1: we're well aware. Uh,
3: <laughs> but it, it laid out a rather stark vision for our state's future because of the demographic pressures that we face. And with the retiring and aging of the baby boomers, there's going to be extraordinary pressures put on our healthcare system. And I think the basic question is... What are we going to do about that? We got to start planning for that now, rather than when the tsunami really hits in just a few years' time.
1: Well, I think we've all seen the documentary Logan's Run. So, uh,
3: with uh, with that uh,
1: ominous note, can we do a big round of applause for these
0: two amazing guests? Thank you for listening. This show was recorded live at the Bryant Lake Bowl in Minneapolis. If you'd like to attend one of our live shows or are interested in working with us on an issue you're passionate about, you can find out more information on our website at www.t2p2.net and on Facebook and Twitter. Also, if you enjoyed the show, please tell a friend about it. Thanks.